Welcome to the Um Yeah Sports Podcast with John and Chris, where it's unapologetically just about the sports. We're glad you joined us. Let's jump right in. It is the May 2nd episode of the Um Yeah Sports Podcast. It's a, it's a Monday edition, so we'll start slowly as we get into the week. We have the, the 22 NFL draft now in the books, and we're working our way through the conference semifinals of the NBA playoffs. That's round two for those uh, that uh, don't have all the, the playoff nomenclature down for the NBA. I'm Chris, and with me, as always, is John. Hey, listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you haven't done so already, you can help us out by subscribing and sharing the show with your sports love and friends and family. Also, if you're sick of supporting ESPN or Fox Sports, CBS Sports, those other big corporate sports sites, we offer umyasports.com as a place for you to head each and every day, each and every hour, if you'd like, for the latest in sports news and information. We go around the web. We bring it all to you free, uh, free of charge and, and free from ads. Uh, pretty cool. Check it out, umyasports.com. All right, with that out of the way, let's jump right into today's big episode. Uh, like I said, the draft is now over. We've got, uh, we've got uh, teams sort of settling in with, with who they have. I think a lot of the trade action sort of happens leading up to, uh, up to the draft. And uh, by now, things have kind of happened as far as the NFL offseason moves are concerned. That doesn't mean that things are, are done, but we're getting close. Um, and, uh, and we've got some, some fun, uh, fun action in the NBA as well. So let's uh, – hey, John, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> I am excellent. <laughs> let's, uh, let's actually start with uh, – let's start with the draft. Sounds good. Um, let's start with your favorite and least favorite drafts. So – uh, pick your favorite team. Who did the best this year in the draft? And then uh, who do you think did the worst? Yeah, I think if you're looking at the best, I think there's multiple teams that you could kind of put in that conversation um, of the best. Um, I think if you really look at it, I, I liked a lot of teams and what they did. But in particular, um, I thought the Jets did really good. I thought the Steelers also did really good. I think the Lions is really good. I think we talked about... Uh, those teams quite a bit, but in my yep. opinion, I think maybe the Steelers did the best. Hmm. Uh, I like their pickup of Kenny Pickett. I like their pickup of multiple wide receivers to kind of boost their wide receiver room after losing uh, Juju to the Chiefs, um, and and now they're getting some wide receivers that can catch the football and they can get rid of that that awful just liability of not being able to catch the football. And I think they did a really good job addressing those issues and then also addressing the defense. They just really did a good job of drafting everything, everything that they possibly could need to have success this, uh, this next season. And now they have a good situation to have, but a complex one that I think needs a little more attention is the fact that they've got Trubisky who they signed and paid money for. Yep. And now they got, um, <clears throat> excuse me, they got uh, Kenny Pickett yep. as well in there. Um, and so they're going to really just understand why Rudolph be, as well. So you'd understand why they uh, they they'd be a little bit nervous about Trubisky, right? Of course, yeah. I don't I don't blame him for picking Kenny Pickett. I think it's a good pickup. The thing that they have to now deal with is who's going to be that starting quarterback and who's going to man, in my opinion, one of the best rosters that the Steelers well, have. Now they in get to have memory. a so they get to have a fertile quarterback competition. Right, that's what I'm saying. I think that's a good problem to have. And honestly, I think. Probably Kenny Pickett's probably going to come out 
of that, I think Trubisky is going to be a close second to have that starting quarterback job. Um, I think Trubisky really redeemed himself when he played for Buffalo and had success when they put him in in preseason and then also a little bit during the regular season. Obviously, preseason and regular season are completely different animals, so you're going to have to kind of see where he's at and kind of have to look through that. But I think the pick of Kenny Pickett makes the quarterback situation even more interesting. But yeah, I think the Jets, I think the Steelers, and I think the Lions were my top three favorite that the, if you had to pick. But if I had to pick my favorite, yeah, I know a lot the, of people would go that's the Jets. Call. But the first, you got to give me one. I think it's the Steelers, 100%. Steelers. So, and then for the worst, I think there's a lot of teams in the running for that as well. I think Seattle is up there. I think mm-hmm. the Texans are up there. Um, and I, I just think I, I, I those two, out of those two – I, I think I'm going to go Seattle. I, I think Seattle is trying to shift gears. Well, I know what Pete's trying to do. Into a running first yeah, offense. He's trying to, go, he's back, trying to go back to his uh, his bread and butter, which is, you know, really rock, stout defense and, and then just pound it, pound it, pound the it. The problem is, it. like, you're doing a quarterback competition and you could have used at least one of your draft choices on a quarterback. I mean, that wasn't going to hurt your scheme or your, you know, pound the rock offense any more than just picking up another offensive lineman, right? They could have sacrificed one of the defensive picks. They could have sacrificed one of their offensive line picks. Uh, those picks where they had back to back in the uh, in the top forty, they could have they could have picked Malik Willis and then the running back right after that. So they had opportunities to pick a quarterback. And I think if they had, I think they would have been higher on the list of you know improved teams. But I just feel like it's not. I just don't think they did exactly what they should have. I think if you have Drew Lock, you have Geno Smith. Uh, and you got Jacob Easton as your three quarterbacks, like going for the top spot, and then you decide that Geno Smith is the top of that list. You kind of have to question what your quarterback core even looks like. Well, remember, and, gotta I mean, remember back to pre-Russell Wilson days, right? Like, and that was Pete's whole thing. Like, we'll put whoever back there. They just got to hand the ball gotta, off, right? Be efficient, uh, be able to, you know, go downfield every once in a while. And but I don't think Geno's that type of guy. I don't think any of those three guys has an efficient deep ball. They have an efficient, you know, they could do a quick slants and quick passes and have success there. But, I mean, even if you're going to play a type of offense where it's just turn on, hand the football off over and over again, you're not going to get a whole lot of wins because you can't just win running the football the entire time. You'd also rely on the on the quarterback to play the quarterback position to have success and make the right plays. And I don't think they have any sort of quarterback that could do that. Now, maybe they wait until next year and then maybe draft a quarterback then. Obviously, they missed the opportunity as um, the Falcons and Tennessee grabbed quarterbacks, These the two top quarterbacks, and they had opportunities to make those decisions and make those plays. They decided not to, and now I'm kind of looking at it and wondering where, where are they going to fall in this NFC, uh, NFC conference, and I honestly think they're probably at the bottom, um, and I think they beat the Texans for the worst draft because I think the Texans – address an issue that need to be addressed and that's defensive i think they could have done a little more offensively but they still did a decent job there as well so and, and also i think the other one that people are really talking about is the, the patriots but i don't think the patriots did bad i think they made some questionable decisions which talk about but i think seattle is probably my least favorite all right well it's not going to be a good time to be a seahawks fan i think no it's not. if you remember to it's the a rebuild pre, the pre-russell wilson days um even before you know before they got Marshawn, like you, you have to have a really good running back. Right, correct. You have to and, have a good running back. Um, 
I don't know. There, I just feel like Pete might be on the downside there, and like whatever he's, he's doing, doing on his way out, whatever he's doing here now isn't going to be in. Like they're not going to win quickly this way. No way. It's going to take time. Um, I mean, you have four running backs now. Yeah. And you got to decide who's your who's your main guy, and right now it's been always been Chris Carson, and then you bring a rookie in there. Now you have to figure out where all these guys sit. So a lot of questions need to be a answered. A lot of questions, and they're probably not going to be answered this season because right. they're really going to struggle. Yep. Not. Uh, not looking good for Seattle. Um, the Patriots went out and they they you know you just mentioned them. They went out, pulled in another what another running back, another, another quarterback, running back and another quarterback. They drafted two running backs and a quarterback. Okay, I I don't understand. Don't they see the Patriots seem to be like they've got so many running backs. They've got tons last year of really they had good to running like backs. Give them away. <laughs> yeah, they got rid of Sonny Michelle for or Sonny Michelle for basically nothing yeah. I mean, to the Rams. So, I mean, I think getting one running back is fine. But getting another two, I mean, that's not necessary. But that's not the biggest complaint. The biggest complaint is that many people think they used their their pickups of a, a guard and a wide receiver, which I think their top two picks way too early. They could have waited. And their excuse for that was you never know what's going to happen with these yep. teams and when they're going to draft, and, which is true. But I don't know. I think I think the pickup of a wide receiver is a good one to kind of fill in into that wide receiver uh, room, I think this wide receiver room core is good. I think that adds a little extra um, umph to them a little bit. But the thing I hate the most is why would you pick up another quarterback? You already have two veteran guys sitting behind Mac Jones. There's really no need to pick another rookie up. Um, who I mean, I mean he kind of has some similarities to Mac Jones. I, I don't understand the logic of picking up and wasting another pick. On another quarterback, unless you have some questions about Matt Jones. Now, I don't think Matt Jones is going to be replaced by this kid. But if they've drafted another quarterback, if I'm Matt Jones, I'd be like, what's going on here? Is Did I not do enough? Like, what? Like, why are they using another draft choice on you know my position? I'm only a year in at this point. So I think it might injure their relationship with Matt Jones a little bit. Um, is, is it a little bit with, um, with Bill Belichick wanting to force Matt Jones to play even better next season? What's the reason for drafting another quarterback? I don't think anyone has an answer for that. I don't, I don't think there's really a way to explain that. Um, even if you like the talent of the quarterback, you just invested the fifth or the 15th overall pick last year into a quarterback that was supposed to be your franchise quarterback. And then you say to yourself, let's not go and pick up another veteran quarterback Let's pick up another young quarterback. Now you have like three really young quarterbacks. Second year guy, a rookie, and then I think you got like with two, three years in, and then you have a veteran. So now you have this really weird group of quarterbacks, and you're saying to yourself, the second year guy is the guy that you're really going to play with, but then you invest here. And I mean, it's just a very complex, weird way to use your draft choice. Um, I think they just I, I don't I don't know if they drafted badly. I think in a lot of ways they drafted fine. I just think they used some of their draft choices on things they really don't need to address. Their running back core is fine. Their uh their quarterback core definitely fine. Uh, Matt Jones played really well last season. There was really no way to understand why they would do that. Was, Matt Jones didn't really give him a way or a um anything to doubt him on. So I don't understand Belichick's really not saying much. There's just a lot of assumptions on why they would pick him up, but personally when I first saw that happen live later in the rounds, I'm like, wow. I mean, that's that's something that stands out for you to as you're watching the later rounds. And so we'll see exactly how that works out if Belichick decides to let a quarterback competition happen or if they're just going to fight for the second or spot or what's going to happen. But whatever's going to happen, I hope there's an answer and there's an explanation somewhere. 
All right. So uh, let's uh, let's leave the NFL now. Let's jump over to the NBA. Uh, like I said, we are in the second round of the NBA playoffs. Before we jump in and talk about the two games from yesterday, um, looks like the Jazz. There's a little bit of a uh, little bit of uh, contention going on there. Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell. One of them must go. Yep, Rudy says um, he does not want to play with Donovan Mitchell anymore, and he feels like Donovan Mitchell's on the downslide, and he's playing top-notch basketball, and no one's better than him. And so you must get rid of Donovan Mitchell, or I'm not staying. That was kind of what he was saying, and I personally am in completely disagreement with that. Uh, Donovan Mitchell was probably one of the strong uh, points on on the Jazz team. Uh, I think he was playing really well. I think he you know, had a little bit of a slow start, but was you know doing a decent job, and I think... Rudy was kind of struggling this entire series, the entire series against the Mavericks, uh, and really couldn't really get much going. And you expect a lot from him, and I don't think he's living up to that expectation. And to say that he's on the up and up and Donovan Mitchell's on the down, I, I just disagree with 100%. I think we saw his coming of the idea that one of these guys is going to try to force the other guy out. Um, I guess Gobert decided he wants to be the person that starts the whole thing. Um, I think I think there's a market for Gobert. Probably they could find a team that wants to have him and as a suitor. But this team needs Donovan Mitchell to be the guy that sticks around. I think Whiteside's a fine replacement for uh, Rudy Gobert. I think that's a perfect situation for him. Getting rid of Donovan Mitchell is not a smart decision. That's like getting rid of Russell Wilson or or, yeah. or Lamar Jackson or, or some of these like really top guys. And if you get rid of him. You're going to have to start at the very bottom. Gobert's not the type of player that's going to give you 30, 40 points and, I mean, you know, sell tickets. It's Donovan that does that. So, to say, I feel like that's a little bit of a weird thing for Gobert to say. Um, if I'm the Jazz, I would say, okay, we'll let you go. We'll figure <laughs> out a place for you to go. Um, yeah. I wouldn't let Donovan go somewhere else. Yes, you could probably get way more for him, but you could also lose way more without him. So, I think there's a lot more upside to keeping him for the now for the near future and he's proven time and time again that this jazz team is good with him and he can make and have success and play extremely well and keep you in the uh, games i thought the jazz would get swept but the jazz pulled out two victories and ended up losing in, in a very close last game so ultimately i think it's one of those things that gobert might have accidentally shot himself in the foot by making these comments because I don't think the Jazz are stupid enough to think that Donovan Mitchell is actually on the down downway trend. I don't think the playoffs mention anything about that. I think this team is a three-point shooting squad, and that's just how they've always been to get rid of Donovan Mitchell, who fits that mold along with Clarkson and the guys that they already have. Um, Rudy Gay, these guys are, are, are some of the best, and they're really good at the three-point game. So just dealing him away wouldn't make sense. And then Whiteside, like I mentioned, can patrol the paint get the blocks, get the points, get the assists, get everything that Gobert is doing and and just be fine with it. So ultimately, I think it's it's going to come to a head. Um, these guys were fine together. I don't think it's going to be that big of a loss. Jazz fans might disagree with me because they're homers and they like Gobert and they think that it's going to kind of be on the downward trend. I disagree. But personally, I would not have been the one that initiated this unless I'm, unless I'm Donovan Mitchell and I came out and said that. That would make sense. But Gobert, I don't think, has that much or the team wants him that badly that they'd be like, okay, cool. We'll, we'll listen to what you're saying here. Yeah. So I think he might've actually spoke, spoke out of line a little bit there. So yeah, I think that's an interesting situation in Utah, but like I mentioned, after they lost against the Mavericks, this team is going to be blown out, blown up. Um, I heard that, um, the, uh, the, the head coach, I Blake on his name was linked to the Lakers head coaching yeah. job. Yeah. So maybe even he's gone. 
and losing Donald Mitchell when that type of rebuild in the near future, that's a complete wrong play. All right. Okay. So we had two games uh, yesterday um, in the uh, in the second round, right? Yes. We had the the uh, the Bucks against the Celtics and the Warriors against the Grizzlies. Um, love to get your thoughts on both of those before we uh, before we head out. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think one of those games is way better than the next. Um, I want to kind of sit on the 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 Clippers one, or not the Clippers, but the Celtics one a little more than the other one because sure. I think I think that game people are going to look at it and say, "Wow, this the Celtics team didn't, are not as good as they thought," and uh, the Nets series was just an easy pass, all this stuff. They there's two ways the the Celtics are going to win this series. The first way is. When Giannis is not on the court, you have to take advantage of those minutes. You have to be playing the best basketball of the entire game. When he is off the court, that's when you have success. That's when you're going to make. That's when you either lose or win this game. And when Giannis was not on the court, the the Celtics were not taking advantage of it. They were not making the right plays. Just the entire game, they were missing threes left and right. They're missing shots. They were struggling with getting inside the paint because of the force that Giannis is, and it's, he's impossible to get by. So they're trying to do a lot of three pointers. Those weren't really falling, and. It, in the next game, they're really going to have to clean that up. They're going to have to be able to splash out a lot more shots when Giannis is not on the court. The other thing they have to work on is I like the way they were guarding Giannis. I thought they did a good job of kind of, you know, stealing possessions a little bit and making sure this um, the Bucks team couldn't get easy shots. And a lot of times they're actually able to guard Giannis and get to get the ball back without letting him make a shot. But on the offensive side of the ball, uh, ball they were doing awfully. They, I mean, the entire game, like I mentioned, the three-point play was not splashing down for him. They really couldn't get anything going. It was a big struggle the entire time. I mean, it was brutal to watch because it wasn't like none of the shots were even open. I mean, they were, had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, and nothing was splashing down. And I haven't seen anything of Marcus Smart is injured. We saw him have like a little bit of an arm injury, came back in, then he had like a leg injury. So he's kind of suffering a little bit from that game as well. But the series um, is not over by any stretch. I think this the Celtics team has a great opportunity to come back into the next game and dominate because if they played and they knocked down a few more of those shots and they played a little bit better and they were playing like the Celtics that we are used to, they would have won that game hands down easily because their defense was good enough for it. The problem kind of lies also when you're playing when Giannis is not on the court. That's when the Giannis minutes kind of kick in a little bit there because when Giannis is not on the court, you have an opportunity not to double-team someone. And when they were double-teaming Giannis, a lot of times I would leave a guy wide open for a shot. And even if they're trying to close out, that's a pretty easy shot to make because you're going to cover ground to get over to him. So when Giannis is not on the court, that's the type of situation where you have to be playing lights-out defense. And I think they did a pretty decent job. Yeah, If they're knocking down more on the offensive side of the board, they would have done perfectly fine and won this game. So in a lot of ways, this series is, you know, young, but a small uh, slip up like that, I think, has a little bit to do with maybe a little bit of too much excitement coming off of the series where you sweep the nets, which is hard to do with based off all their talent. But now you're in a situation where you're playing a really good team, so you have to kind of stay strong there. The other thing with the uh, Warriors and Memphis series, this set series might be the funnest in the entire uh, sick around because these both these squads are insane at the three-point play. Both these squads are going to be going at each other and they're going to be very physical. We saw that with the Draymond Green injection. Um, and they're both just going to play into the very last second, the very last buzzer. Uh, we know that John Morant's going to be playing lights out. Jackson Jr. is going to be playing lights out for the Grizzlies team. Curry's going to be playing well. It's just going to be a back-and-forth series. It's going to be a shootout from 
from the beginning to the end of this series, top to bottom. It's going to be one of the most fun series that we're going to see, one of the most even series that we're going to see. I mean, we saw at the very end, I mean, John Morant had a chance to win the game, just too good a defense. He couldn't get the shot up, or, or he couldn't get it down. He got it up, but he couldn't get it down, and the Warriors were able to win by one point. But that was just a back-and-forth series. The Warriors had to climb out of a hole at the beginning. From the beginning of the game to get into halftime, and after halftime, they kind of blew the game open wide. So I think that's going to be one of those series where three-point plays are just going to splash down, and it's just about whoever has the most endurance to be able to finish out the series. And I think I think that's probably going to end up being the Warriors. I know I got this. Uh, you probably know the well the the uh, Celtics and the the Warriors are my final two teams. I think are going to make it all the way, and I think ultimately these series are the perfect series for them to take advantage of and win. Um, and I think this. I think the Warriors team experience is the reason I would put them on top of the Memphis Grizzlies. I think the Memphis Grizzlies don't have as much experience. The the Warriors know how to close out basketball games. They know what type of defense to play. They've been there before, and they've played consistently, and they've played well. And this these three guys, Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry, all three of these guys are dynamite um, three-point shooting players. They're going to make this series tons of fun to watch, and I can't wait for the next game that they have. Um, and yeah, so I think those are probably the two things I would say about that series. I think if you look at the Memphis Grizzlies, I mean, they couldn't have done more to win. I think maybe they had a few more stops, maybe a few more defensive stops. Maybe they could have pulled it out. But these games, especially this series, is going to come down to a few plays that are going to decide all of the games. They're not going to be wide-gapped one-win games. They're just going to be punch for punch for punch for punch. And I think that's going to make it really exciting. Awesome. All right. Cool. Listeners, thanks for listening. Like I said, if you uh, haven't subscribed, please do so. That helps us. It helps you. Share us with your friends and family, assuming that you're enjoying the show. Otherwise, we will catch you on Wednesday. Thanks for hanging out, and we'll see you then. Yeah, see you. God bless. God bless.